So today we're going to begin with glory. We're going to specifically talk about the glory of God as it pertains to his people and his church. We're going to begin in a book uh, called Haggai. How many of you have ever read the book of Haggai? It's an amazing book. I'll tell you why I think it's so amazing, because it's only two chapters long. Uh, I, lo- I love feeling achieved and accomplished. So you could literally wake up tomorrow morning and be like, I read a whole book of the Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And your friends are like, wow, that's amazing. Just don't tell them it was the book of Haggai and it was only two chapters, okay? But I want to give you some context for what was going on. See, this book, this guy Haggai was a prophet. It means God was speaking to him and God wanted his people, the nation of Israel, to, to know something. He was aligning them. And, and this book was written in 520 BC. This is well before Jesus was born. And uh, the prophet Haggai is calling the Jews of Judah at the time to resume rebuilding the temple. And in rebuilding the temple, uh, he's, he's calling them in that act. And he's encouraging them that this will glorify God. What is our chief purpose in life? To glorify God. So he's reminding them. And he's reminding them because the people had been devoted to rebuilding the temple uh, under the kingship of Solomon. Solomon was the son of this guy, David. David wrote a lot of the Psalms. David is a chief character in scripture. If you haven't heard of David, uh, I hope one day that you, you hear about him in a greater extent or you read about him. For sure, if you hang out with us, you're going to hear about David. But see, the work had ceased for about 10 years. And so Haggai has this message from God. You see that the Israelites in Judah had lost sight of their mission. And in doing so, they had lost touch with their purpose. And this is where we step in to the story the prophet Haggai relays to the nation of Israel. It says in chapter 2, verse 1, Then on October 17th of that same year, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Haggai. Say say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. I love the fact that when God talks about people, he talks about who they're the son of. Do you know Why? God is a generational God. It's proof that we were created out of the context of family for family. It doesn't say how great these guys' fathers were. It just says they're the son of. I don't know what your context of your father is, but you're a son. And the most important thing I want you to know today is you're a son of a living king. He says, does anyone remember the house, this temple, in its former splendor? That word splendor is glory. He's like, does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former glory? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. He's, he's saying, hey, there's some of you who have, have seen a great move of God. There's some of you who have seen amazing things happen. That maybe today, some of you sitting here have experienced in a long history of relationship with Jesus Christ in your life. You're like, I've experienced a mighty move of God. 
that maybe some of you have a past and you've been asking God in the deep recesses of your heart, God, can I see yet again your hand move? What you revived once before, would you please move in revival again? Verse 4, he says, but now, the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work. Man, I love this. God is just like, be strong. Remember, be strong. Get to work. He goes, for I'm with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. See, there's some of us that when we hear, God, we want to see your hand move. And we have a part to play. And God's like, get to work. We're like, you know what? I'm really tired because of the last three years. No, no, this isn't, this isn't a negative. Can I tell like? There's a weariness that culture has. There is a spirit, I'm going to say there is a spirit of weariness that, that society is carrying. The enemy wants us to, and we can, we can look at it and we can mistakenly call it laziness. But it is a burden of weariness. Why? Because the human soul is weary of not living in alignment with the Spirit of God. Some of you feel war-torn and weary from the past three years. In fact, you're questioning your purpose because of it. Or maybe you're just questioning God. And he goes on, he says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army say. Okay, let me just stop for a second. When someone prefaces your words like this, this is like a stop what you're doing, turn off the YouTube, Netflix, whatever's going on, pause, listen. Why? Because this is what the Lord of heaven's armies is saying. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And he goes on, he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple Listen, family, the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. And I, the Lord of heaven's armies, has spoken. Mic drop. When God speaks, shut the system down. No more need for words. 
God wants to reveal himself in and through our lives as his church in a greater way than anything that we've experienced in our life. This is what the Lord began impressing upon my heart. Pat, I'm not done with you. I have to tell you, June 2020, the world had hit the fan. Do you remember? No one knew which way was up. We didn't know what was going on. Tensions were at all time high. And there I sat and I was asking, Lord, I don't know if I have what it takes. And he said, Pat, you need to make a decision. Are you in this or not? I said, if you're in it, I'm in it. He said, good, because I want to move in a greater capacity than I've moved in the past. You see, today God is again calling upon his people to build his church, not not merely a building, but a, a gathering place for his glory-filled presence to inhabit. <laughs> and he wants to inhabit our passionate devotion to him and our passionate devotion to one another and our passionate devotion to his mission with increasing measure. He is a God of more. His future glory will always be greater. God's glory, the glory of God's people and the glory of God's church. We're going to start out today by talking about God. God is a God of glory. It says that as he begins speaking, I'm going to shake the nations. I'm going to shake the earth. And, and at the end of it, what does he say? And I'm going to fill this place. I'm going to shake it and then I'm going to fill it. What is glory? I want us to understand what glory is because you may hear this word and you may have a lot of, I guess, alternate interpretations of what it means to us in our common day. And, and surely there are lots of definitions of glory, but I want us to understand what glory means as it pertains to the Bible and it pertains to God. Glory, the word is kabod. Uh, and kabod is, uh, it means honor, abundance, riches, splendor, dignity, reputation, reverence. Um, it can also represent anything that has to do with God's presence. It's his goodness. It's his patience. It's his kindness. It's his restorative qualities. It's his just spirit. It's everything about him. And I, I would say that broadly, it's the radiance and the brilliance of his presence. Now, God's glory is impossible for us to fully comprehend. I want, I want you to know this. God's glory is impossible for us to fully comprehend because God is other than. He's not human. He's not a created being. And so if I'm trying to explain who God is, I can't really. I'm trying to put it into language. Have you ever tried to describe something that's really amazing to someone who wasn't there? You're trying to put into, you're trying to recreate this moment. And you're like, I, it was, and then, and they're just like looking at you like, I guess I had to be there. And you're like, yeah, that like God's presence, his glory is like that. Like, unless you've experienced it, it's like, I can't quite tell you what it tastes like. And, and I can't quite tell you what happens, but it's other than it's brilliant. It's radiant. It's, it's, it's beyond my comprehension. 
It's what sets God apart from all others. The word to be set apart means holy. Glory and holy are married together because God's glory is what sets him apart. It's what makes him a holy God. It's why when you're in the presence of his holiness, you're like, I have no other response but to be on my face. I have no other response but to, re- to respond to him by saying, oh Lord, Jesus, and, and, and I, I, I have nothing more. And, and perhaps like I did over 20 years ago, you've experienced this where I began to tremble. I began to shake and God's glory filled my life and my life was changed forever. But it is difficult for me to explain to you what that glory is. Although you may see the byproduct of it. Why does God shake things before he fills them with his glory? This is fascinating. In the Old Testament, we just read Haggai and he says, I will again shake. Well, what was the first shaking? You know, one of the first shakings was is when God showed up to Moses and the nation of Israel in Exodus 19 on Mount Sinai. And Moses said this, God, if you don't go with us, we aren't going. Movement Church, if God's glory doesn't go with us, we aren't going. But be prepared because what happened next? It said that the presence of God descended on Mount Sinai and it shook and trembled violently. We perceive quaking as like something's wrong. But truthfully, God has to shake things that are old so he can make room for things that are new. Why, God, why why 20 years ago did we experience... A shaking. God said, I'm going to use what man used for destruction in two towers in New York City to shake the hearts. God didn't do it, but he'll use it. God didn't, God didn't make the last three years happen, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I am thankful for the last three years. You know why? Because it shook the methodologies and the formulas of man. And I'm going to tell you something. The church needed it. I could talk about the church because I because I, I'm, I'm a leader, and so I, you know I, I could talk about my family because it's my family, but you can't talk about my family. Now I'm not being hard on the church; I'm just being honest. And do you know what I think culture wants from us? Honesty. So I'm going to be honest. I think the church was relying on systems and methods and formulas, and they weren't relying on an increased faith. For God's glory to come and to move in a greater fashion. So God shakes things. It's faith over formula. He's going to shake our formulas to keep us on mission. With an increased faith. And I want you to know something. Old glory is not bad glory. I'm not mad at the last three years. I'm not, you know, I'm not mad of my lifetime, of anything that has transpired in my life that I go, that's horrible. You know, today is my father's birthday. My father passed away at the age of 47 years old. Some of you heard this story. This is part of my testimony. This is part of what I offer to you. Today is his birthday. The same day that we have to then remember what happened in New York City. But it is a new day of new glory as well. So the old glory, you know, my life growing up with my dad being sick and having cancer, I'm not mad at that. I was once mad at that. I'm not mad at that. 
I'm not mad at the old glory. I'm not trying to get rid of the old glory. The old glory, as much as it has struggles and stresses, it has successes and it has formative moments that build character in us to increase our faith, to strip down our methods and our formulas. God knew that I needed the formulas that I had in my strategic brain stripped away. Because if I'd have built a house on my own, it would have crumbled. He needed me humbly submitted to him. Some of us are living off of that old residue though. Some of us are like, man, I, I remember 1972. Like we're going to talk about the championship football game. When we were 19 years old. And God's like, man, that's awesome. But you know I have a new championship game for you? We're like, oh, you know, I just bring me another beer. Lame. God is unchanging in who he is. I want you to know something. He is unchanging. He's doing a new thing, but I want you to understand. God's character and nature, he is unchanging in who he is. But he will reveal new ways of working to bring him glory. And this is where I think we stand. This is where we are in 2022 on September 11th. He's saying, I'm revealing new ways. So although we never fully understand God's glory, we were created to live in it to our fullest. Let's talk about people. God's people are people of glory. When you say yes to Jesus, I want you to know something. You're stepping into his glory. He says, I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. Now, let me, when we think nations, we typically think governments. This word nations means all people rather than governments. Okay. It's all people. So I will shake all people and their treasures. This word treasures means desires. But it's not like, I desire to drive a Bugatti. I desire to have that European vacation that's just splendid. I, I, desire, I desire a husband, or I desire a wife, or I desire children, or I desire that career, or I desire... That's not the desires, though, that we're talking about here. In fact, what... What's being talked about, God is speaking through this prophet to say, there is a desire in your heart as a human that is innate, that you can't escape. Whether you recognize this or not, this is true. This word desire speaks to the innate desire for a Messiah, a Savior. Humanity has an innate desire to experience the fullness of God's glory in and through a Savior. We all long for a Savior in our life. We just replace Jesus as the Savior with all these other little, well, if I, if I can just get a raise, that'll save me. I can just make a little more, you know, if I just had that relationship, it's going to save me. 
It's always, you ever realize how it's always the next thing? One more. If I can just get, if I can just get a bigger house, if I, if I can just have what we're looking for is the savior of our soul. And this is saying that God's glory, he's going to shake all people and the desire of that Messiah of all people will be brought to his temple. So all of humanity has an innate desire and an open invitation to live in God's glory through our Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you walked in here with. I want, I want you to know something. God is not afraid of what maybe needs to be shaken. He's just a great shaker and a great filler. And he wants to fill you. He knows you, you need it. He knows that we have this innate desire in humanity. Our original design was to live in God's glory and the display his glory before all creation to represent God represent when you represent something, you represent it to represent God as his image bearer. Listen, Genesis one So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. I'm going to stop for a second. This is important. Why did God say he created human beings in his own image? And then he repeats it. In the image of God, he created them. Then he goes a step further. He says, male and female, he created them. Why? Because I believe God knows that we need to understand that our original design and for us to glorify him comes through this unique creation of male and female. It is no wonder to me that our society right now is falling into the trap of Satan to confuse and destroy by and large our children, to confuse their purpose of their original design. And then God goes on and he says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Fill the earth. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. So you're made in God's image. Man and women were created in his image. And to live in God's presence, to live in his glory. Genesis 1-2, the reality of your original design was to live in God's glory and to reflect his glory. To bring his glory to everywhere that we walked in all of creation. That is our original design. Sin happens you still carry the glory of God. We still have a mandate to be fruitful and multiply. To be fruitful and multiply what? His glory. Where? In all the earth. God's glory turns the desires of his people back to him. It's our original design. 
And the desire of humanity for a Messiah or Savior will be brought through his glory-filled temple. Let's talk lastly about his temple. Now, God's church is a temple of glory. It says, I will fill this place. What place? His temple. I'm going to fill this place. What? His temple. With what? Glory. What's his glory? Everything about him. Every time you see something, it's like, wow, I just feel like, God, you're so good in this situation. You know what you just experienced? God's glory. You know, we're like, well, I need to see a burning bush like Moses did in the desert. No, you need to see compassion and you're going to see God's glory. You need to see his goodness. You're going to see God's glory. You need to see his provision. You're going to see God's glory. You're going to see his restorative value that he has for your relationships. You're going to see God's glory. It's very practical. This word temple means house. I love the depth of this word though beyond that. It means dwelling, habitation, or place. It's of family dwelling and it's, it's not just for the kids, but it's for the father too. It's a family dwelling where dad, God the father, gets to bless his children by showing himself to them, by walking with them as originally designed in Genesis 1-2 in the cool of the garden. Some of us have gotten away from walking with God and we need to experience his glory again. The big idea here is God fills his family house with his glory. First Corinthians 3.16, Paul, who wrote a huge portion of the New Testament, this guy met Jesus on a road when God's glory showed up and blinded him and knocked him off of a horse onto his butt. And he spent the rest of his life reflecting that glory, that brilliance, that radiance, that grace and that mercy, all part of God's glory. Indescribable. And this is what he said to the church of Corinth. He says, don't you realize, now I want to stop for a second. He said, don't you realize, Paul is talking you is not you as an individual. He's talking to you. He's talking to a people group. Who? The followers of Jesus. This is important because too often when we read scripture, we make it about ourselves. Highly, we live in a, like the, America is the, the most highly individualistic society in existence. Everything is about me, mine, my. Period. That's not my opinion. That's a stated fact. You can like go to Rabbi Google and you can look up individualism and the height of individual. Like, right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not that smart. Google is way smarter. He says, don't you realize 
that all of you together are the temple of God. Here's a classic statement. Well, man, I'm the temple of God, so I am the church. And if I'm the temple of God and I'm the church, I don't need to attend church. Right? Let me tell you something. Okay, buckle up, buttercup. Some of us need to get off our couches. I, this is, I want you to understand this is, I'm saying this as your pastor, shepherd. I'm sure this is a shepherd moment. Some of us need to get off our couches and we need to get to the gathering place because it's, it's probable that you're going to grow in your relationship outside of a gathering place, but it's not highly likely. There is something about God inhabiting his people. We're driving to church this morning and my daughter said, my 12-year-old, she's talking about something and she said, you know, it's cool seeing pictures of that, but just it doesn't do it justice. Being there is a totally different experience. She wasn't talking about the church, but she was speaking prophetically. I'm like, yeah, Lord, there's something powerful about hearing about the residue of your glory, about hearing those moments, about reading those, but there's something different about being in the midst of it. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. God wants to destroy the mentalities and and the structures and the strongholds the enemy has on us in keeping us isolated. If you're asking today, I, I love Jesus and I'm following Jesus. Why do I feel so lonely? Probably because you're living as an orphan. There's a high likelihood. That's not 100% true, but that could be a huge one. God saved you and put you in a family. And his glory fills the family house. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. There's a duality to this scripture that you as a person carry the spirit of God, but you as a family carry with greater, immense, increasing measure the glory of a living God. This you together implies a belonging to as a whole. I love that he describes temple. This, when you look up the Greek word, it's metaphorically of a company of Christians, a Christian church as dwelt in by the spirit of God. It's a family of followers. It's very clear here. There's something that God does uniquely through his church. This speaks more to the belonging to a family rather than an individual person. It's nothing more glorious. <laughs> I believe in 2022 than us being the glorious bride of Christ to the church. And it's as gathered people were filled by God's glorify, um, God's glory glorifying him. 
It's glory-filled people glorifying God on God's glory-filled mission. And I'll leave you with this. If you could stand with me. In Matthew 5, 14. Jesus says, you know, you're the light of the world. He's saying, you carry a glory. He's saying, you carry a kabod. You carry a weight. You carry something glorious that God actually births in you that's unique to you. And he's speaking again. He's, he's saying that to you, but he's saying that to you. And he says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So the glory that God wants to fill this church with is to illuminate inside the home, but there's an even better, more fulfilling blessing in this. Listen to what he says. He goes, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, the God of glory is passionate about filling his people and filling his church with his glory to shine so that everyone else can be full of his glory and praise his glorious name. <laughs> Let's close our eyes this morning. I want you to know your chief purpose in life is to be glorious by glorifying God and reflecting his glory for everyone to see as part of his church. To truly live this question in my life, but not truly living, that today I want you to know that to truly live, you need to be glorious. You gotta be glorious. We're not gonna let the enemy hide what we have. We're gonna stand up and stand out. We're gonna shine bright for all of the city of San Marcos and our region to see. We're gonna, we're gonna dare to walk into the things that God has called us to. We're gonna dare to be glorious by glorifying God, by asking for his glory to fill this place, to fill our homes, to fill our cities, to fill our state, to fill our country, and to spread for all of earth to be able to stand and have the potential to say, God, would you be glorified in the nations? Would you be glorified in the far off places? Would you be glorified in the dark places? Would you be glorified in the middle of death? Would you let your light shine in the middle of brokenness? Would you let your glory come in the middle of heartache and strain and struggle? God, would you let your glory enter this place today? And as a family, we say, God, we're willing to step in and be glorious. We're willing to step in as a family and dare to be glorious, to live in the original design and purpose that you have been given in your life. And that is to do one simple thing that you would be glorious by glorifying God. Yeah. 
So if you're ready to answer this nagging question, I'm going to highly encourage you to do something. You're going to want to come the next three weeks. Over the next nine, we're going to answer this. But the next three, they're, they're really foundational. And, and we're going to talk about some things. We're going to dig into the spirit-inspired framework that's going to support us living on mission and purpose as individuals and together as a church. And it all begins with these things. Jesus, people, and passion. Because God is passionate He is passionate about you. And if he's passionate about you, I want you to know something. I am so glad for everything I've walked through in my life so I can stand before you today and I can say, God, I'm willing. Would you let your glory come and I'm gonna be passionate. I'm gonna be passionate about your son, Jesus. I'm gonna be passionate about people. You're not gonna wanna miss it. This will change your life. I guarantee it. It's changed mine. So Lord, wherever we sit, stand, lay, wherever we're crawling, wherever we're at, whatever posture this message finds somebody in, I'm going to ask right now that your glory would come. That you would give us, like you said, to not be afraid and to be strong. That we would stand in strength that only you give. And we would be strong as we dare as a church and as individuals who make up your temple and your church. We're going to dare to be glorious. We're going to dare to be glorious with our lives. We're going to dare to glorify you in all things. And we refuse to back down. We thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity. We look forward to the greater glory. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said together, amen and amen. 